firmly believe that you are here, <clears throat> that you see me, that you hear me. Let the light of your face shine upon me. Watch over me, lead me, and guide me, that with you evermore I shall be. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. Mary, my mother, Saint Joseph, my father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Good that we're here. So this afternoon, um, what I'd like to do is continue to walk with our Lord and continue to follow our Lord where he's been leading us. And to continue to ask him for that grace to more completely give our hearts to him, to more completely experience his love, to more completely abide in his love. And in Mass today, in the Gospel reading, and we talked about how our Lord had gone back to the place where John began to baptize. And then he went to this place near the desert. And the desert is also a place where our Lord went to be in solitude with the Father. Right at the beginning of his public ministry. He goes to be in solitude with the Father for 40 days. And so it's the readings that we always start Lent with is our Lord going into the desert to be tempted. And this year we had no idea how much we would be following him into the desert during that. But I want to invite you to do that a little more intentionally this afternoon. And so in Luke's gospel, it says this in chapter four, filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. 
The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him. <clears throat> Jesus answered him. It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, if I, I shall give you all this power and their glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And with their hands, they will support you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him in reply, it also says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. And so as we read through our Lord's experience, what stands out for you? You know, many times when I read this, the thing that stands out to me the most is the way that the devil poses the question. If you are the son of God, then do this. Right? If you are the son of God, then do this. And so it's immediately, he's, the devil's immediately speaking against what the father's just said. The father just said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so now the evil one's saying, if you are really the son of God, then turn that stone into bread, throw yourself down and his angels will catch you. It's kind of like that temptation that says, uh, did you really mean it the last time you went to confession? You ever have that one? Do you really think you were forgiven? People can have amazing experiences in prayer and say something like, Father, I could just feel the embrace of our Lord, and it was so real. And then a week later, they're like, ah, maybe I just had a bad burrito. You know, like, I don't know if that was real. And, and immediately, those, the kind of temptation against our identity and against our experience and against what we know is true. enters into our hearts. And our Lord is always in communication with the Father. Right? It's like the fundamental principle of who Jesus is, 
is that he's always in communication with the Father. And so as he experiences those, these temptations, he experiences them the way that we experience them, maybe he much more easily dismisses them because he knows who he is. He doesn't have to turn the stones into bread because he already knows he's the Son of God. He doesn't need to test that out. He's unwavering in that identity. And he's our model. And yet in our own experience, we're not always unwavering in that identity. Oftentimes I'm very much wavering in that identity. Another interesting thing about our Lord going into the desert is he goes into this place where he's completely alone in order to be alone with the Father. There's really nothing to look at. There's nothing that's interesting. It's hot during the day. It's cold at night. It's not comfortable. It's just him and the Father. And the experience of going away to be alone and to live in silence and to shut off our phones and to shut off distractions is that we might be alone with the Father. But oftentimes, as I said this morning, we also find ourselves alone with ourselves. And with a need to confront ourselves. And our Lord's experience also gives us a pathway for doing so. Now these three temptations that our Lord experiences there, they can be tied to or linked to the threefold concupiscence that John talks about, which is concupiscence of the flesh, concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life. And our Lord is in the desert, and at the end of the 40 days, it says he was hungry. It's an interesting detail. He ate nothing for 40 days and he was hungry. Obviously. Because being in the desert makes us hungry. Being trapped in our houses makes us hungry. And sometimes it literally makes us hungry because we don't know what to do with what we're hungry for. And so we go buy a number one from McDonald's with an extra quarter pounder with cheese on the side. Not that I did that. I might have done that. <laughs> trying to satisfy something, right? Trying to satisfy something. And when we're hungry, those temptations come in all the more, those threefold temptations come in all the more. 
So one of the questions that you may want to pray about this afternoon is what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Like, are you starved for a relationship? I saw a social media post recently and it was about what do we miss in quarantine? And somebody said, I miss meetings that should have been emails. You know, like a meeting that could have been covered in an email and you're really you're like, why am I in this meeting? I miss meetings that should have been emails because at least I got to see people. You know, like what do we miss? Like we miss people. We miss connection with others. We miss our Lord. Sometimes that gets misdiagnosed as like, I want a Big Mac with an extra quarter crown of cheese on the side. In the concupiscence of the flesh, it's the first kind of low level temptation that comes into our lives. And that's that temptation to satisfy myself or distract myself with food or to distract or satisfy myself with sex. And then the second concupiscence, the devil takes our Lord and says, I will give you all this power and all this glory. All these things can be yours. And they can be tied to this concupiscence of the eyes, which is really tied to jealousy and avarice and the desire for things. And so, like, where is jealousy creeping in? Are you jealous of families that aren't, like, separated by a lot of distance? Are you jealous of you three weeks ago? Like, I'm jealous of me four weeks ago when I used to be on Delta Airlines all the time and flying around the country and doing lots of things. That's the thing. We wish we had more. And then the third temptation corresponds to the pride of life. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Which is this temptation to presumption. And I think that's a temptation that we have to be very guarded against because it might sound like we're talking out both sides of our mouth sometimes. Especially in when we find ourselves where we find ourselves. 
you know, this morning I talked about the value of making a spiritual communion. And I can talk about how amazing it is that families are like observing Sundays, like in a new way where they're having a little liturgy of the word and everybody's sharing what they got out of the gospel reading. And there's good in that. But then that presumption can kick in if we're not careful and people will just say, well, then this is all I'm going to need from now on. This is all I'm going to need from now on. I think there are some historians that would argue that low church Protestantism, low church Protestantism is like evangelical Protestantism where they basically, the service involves like a preacher and they read scripture and they preach for an extended period of time. Like Southern Baptists would be low church and that's not a pejorative term. They call themselves low church as opposed to high church, like high church Methodists would have a liturgy with a liturgy of the word and communion. And, um, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Methodist and, uh, and he was talking about the split that happened in Methodism because like they were always waiting for the circuit rider who only came like once a month, who was a minister and the minister came once a month and they would have like a liturgical service with communion. And then when he was gone, there was a preacher that they would get and they would have like the service they can have when they don't have the liturgy because they didn't have a minister. And then after a while, the people said, well, we just like this, this is good enough. You know, and there can be a danger in that. It's nothing we should be afraid of. I think we should name it. But it, but it can be a way that pride sneaks in. Like there should always be a sense of grieving. When the sacraments aren't available to people. with the understanding that our Lord can still operate outside of the sacraments. And as I said this morning, the more that we learn to encounter him in those other ways, it will in turn magnify when we're reunited with him in the most profound way. And so the pride of life always involves this idea that I don't really need God. I don't really need God. The opposite of presumption is gratitude. And so for 40 days, our Lord is constantly being confronted with this kind of temptation. And in a sense, he's also confronting that temptation in solidarity with all of us who confront those temptations every day so that he could suffer everything that we've suffered but sin. And so 
the first step in really surrendering and kind of emptying our hands, because these are also things that we hold on to instead of holding on to our board, is to inventory those things. And inventorying them, what would that look like? You know, you might make three columns on your notebook and you have concupiscence of the flesh, concupiscence of the eyes and the pride of life at the top. And where have you experienced that? Like, where have you experienced that? Like, I'll admit, like, at the beginning of the coronavirus, I was super jealous of my married friends. I was like, at least you have a wife. I'm just sitting here in my rectory, watching Contagion, <laughs> right? And, and so that's concupiscence of the blush. You know, and it's a thought that came into my head. Because thoughts come into our heads. It's what happens. And what do we do with that? Do we surrender that? Or kind of hang on to it and let that jealousy continue? Like, where am I looking? What kinds of things have I done where I used comfort to replace relationship with our Lord? And just write those down really specifically. And concupiscence of the eyes, like where have I compared myself with others? Where have I been jealous of others? Where am I jealous of myself a month ago? Can also be what slips in when we start fantasizing about like having a different life. If I took that other job 20 years ago, I would have been the head of the company by now. And I often think if I would have stayed in the military, I would have been a colonel by now. And, and inventory those things and be specific about those things. Father, those are just thoughts, like they just kind of come and go. Well, they come and go, but like, do you spend time on them? Is it a fantasy that we rest in that keeps us from encountering our Lord right here, right now, where we are? And then in that last column, like, where are we prideful? Where are we prideful? Or where have we lacked gratitude? And you could go back through your life, like where have you lacked gratitude? Where have you been really prideful and taking credit for things? I'm always trying to get better at saying thank God for that. I used to get annoyed with my Protestant friends because they'd always be like, God's grace, not my kids. Like, you're really smart, though. 
But there's something to that because pride is about self-reliance. And so like, where is my self-reliance flaring up? And again, being really specific about those things. Like, have I ever thanked our Lord for helping me graduate from Military Academy at West Point? I don't know if I've really formally thanked our Lord for that. And sometimes I fool myself into thinking, like, I did that by myself. Or do you ever pray really hard through something to get, like, to get something done, and then afterwards you're like, I did that. And we just kind of forget to go back. Because those, those are all things that get in the way of loving like Jesus loves, of living a life that's surrendered to our Lord. In our pride column, we might also list out our resentments that we're holding right now. I have a resentment against this person because they did this and that affected my So it might sound like I have resentment against Bob because Bob spoke poorly about me to my supervisor and that affects my security and it affects my self-esteem. And it's just a way of cataloging that so that we know what it is that we're trying to give up and give over to our work. And it's just an intentional way of examining our lives and where we are, like where are we at in those areas of temptation, those primary areas, those things that distract us from loving like our Lord loves. Which is a really good way of preparing to enter into Holy Week and preparing for the renewal of our baptism that takes place at Easter. And we can just sit with our Lord and wrestle with those things and wrestle with ourselves and take an honest look at ourselves and where we are right now. And then handing them over. just looks like having a conversation with Jesus about that. Like Jesus, I way over ate the other day. I really should have come to you in prayer. And instead I went to McDonald's and I really, I want to surrender McDonald's because I want you to be the one that answers my hunger. 
Jesus, I've been fantasizing about, you know, being married to any number of other people instead of the person I'm with right now. And I surrender all of those possibilities to you. I'm just going to give you all of those things. I don't want those things. I want you to answer my hunger right now. I want you to be my refuge and not fantasies. Jesus, I surrender to you my attachment to any number of behaviors or people or things. And in that pride column, we might just turn those into prayers of gratitude and giving our Lord the credit where he deserves the credit for the ways in which he's taking care of us and the ways in which he's come into our life. Because in order to give our hearts to him completely, our hearts have to be free. They can't be attached to concupiscence of the flesh, concupiscence of the eyes, or the pride of life. They have to be free. And in order to say yes to our Lord, we have to say no to all these other things. And it's good for us annually to kind of go back and double back and, okay, what do I need to say no to again? And then just let our Lord speak into your heart. What he wants to speak to you. And so this afternoon is meant to be a lot of free time for you to sit with him and learn from him. To go back through and pray through this section of scripture on the temptation and Kind of use those four R's I talked about this morning and see what gets stirred up in your own hearts. Or you might ask him to teach you to be alone with the Father like he is alone with the Father. And just watch for where he moves. And if a debate comes up, then don't worry about that. Just have the debate. Like, I want you to quit smoking. I don't want to quit smoking. I have that debate often. You know, somebody said to me this morning, I don't have anything to surrender, I don't think. I said, well, how did your like prayer over the scriptures go? Oh, I didn't do that. Maybe you need to surrender that. Like, 
you know, surrender like the fact that you don't want to do that. I mean, there's always something. And um, but just see where are the moves for you. And uh, I'm gonna close there and uh, and just let this be some extended time with our Lord because He has much better things to say to you than I do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask you, we thank you, we praise you for all of the gifts you've given us. We ask for the grace this afternoon to examine our lives and to see ourselves as you see us. And for the grace to be really honest with ourselves and the courage to turn over to you any attachments to sin, attachments to fantasy, or pride that we're carrying in our hearts. That we may truly be free to be loved by you. And to love our brothers and sisters in our families, in the church and in the world around us. Teach us how to be alone with your Father. That we may always live and walk as your beloved sons and daughters.